you pursuing a natural lifestyle for yourself and your family? Are you concerned about the standard American diet and options available for healthcare? Are you curious about herbs for health or already practice home herbalism? You've come to the right place. My mom, Naomi Kilbrick, is a Christian clinical herbalist and owner of Lower Chi Wellness. She teaches simple ways to live in a more healthy way and to work with plants to promote and restore health. Welcome to the Family Herbalism Podcast. Welcome back to the Family Herbalism Podcast and Happy New Year, you guys. I'm so excited to be back again after a two-week stint out uh, away from work. It's hard to imagine actually taking two weeks off, but somehow I did, and I had a wonderful time. I spent the first few days painting with my girls in their bedroom for the first time since we moved into our house, and then I just did a bunch of other projects around the house, and by the end of vacation, I was starting to dabble a little bit with creative writing projects and some work again. And really, this was an opportunity for me to take some time to think about my own health. And as some of you are aware and probably have heard some things on the podcast, this past fall really was kind of a difficult time for me health-wise. And so this year, I really have decided to make sure that I'm focusing my time and energy also on taking care of my own health. And... Part of that is not just immune support, but also hormonal health. I think what actually happened for me kind of leading into some of the concerns that I had toward the end of the year was that I was creating an estrogen dominant sort of situation in my health picture. And then eventually my estrogen kind of started falling into the tank. (laughs) And while I never actually got it tested, it sort of symptomatically seem to be heading in that direction. And so I've been working with my herbalist to do some liver cleansing and endocrine building. And that's really what I'm going to be focusing on for my own health in the coming months and year. And I'm really creating a vision where I want to get my body back to a place where it doesn't really feel the need to express stress in such a loud way in my body. And I think it's important to emphasize that because I encourage my clients to do the same thing. And I think it's important that we practice what we preach, right? I encourage my clients to listen to their bodies and figure out what they need. Are there symptoms, you know, I'm curious, um, maybe there are symptoms that you have been tolerating and thinking that they're just normal or these are just things that people have to deal with and you have to put up with them because it will take too much time or energy to deal with them. And I want to just kind of hit pause there for a second because this is what I've been having to do in my own life and point out the fact that the evidence is pretty clear. If you don't pay attention to your health now, you will pay for it later. And so this year, I'd like to challenge you to join me. If you know there's an area in your life that needs attention, maybe this is the year that you need to start taking care of it. And maybe that's why you're actually here with me today listening to this podcast. And I'm grateful that you're here and I'm excited for all the possibilities 
that this education, you know, educational opportunity will hold possibly for you. And so if you have been listening maybe for a while and you're thinking about what is the next step, maybe you've been working on your health for a while and perhaps there's a bit of a plateau in your experience or you feel like there is some more growing to do, I would also love to invite you to meet with me one-on-one and we can do a consultation together so that I can help you to you know, create perhaps a more well-rounded view of what's going on with your health picture and what your body is asking for and what types of food and herbs and lifestyle practices could really be best suited to you and your goals and your body's needs. And if this is something that you're interested in, I would welcome you to check out my website, which is laureltreewellnessllc.com and learn more about what consultations can look like for you. But I would also like to share with you what the plan is for the podcast for the coming year. And this is, this is going to be very exciting. We're going to be doing something new here starting in a little bit. We have two more episodes in the third season uh, after today. One will be a regular episode and then one is going to be an interview, which I actually just got done recording. So I'm very excited to share that with you. And then we'll be doing a brand new Uh, episode series that will be a new perspective. This is going to be similar in some ways to the podcast episodes that I've released before, but it will be from a new perspective and that's going to be through video. And so we're going to be starting off season four, the Family Herbalism podcast, beginning the end of January. And I'll be sharing on themes that are important to individuals who are responsible not only for their own care, but that of their families as well, hence the Family Herbalism Podcast. But the big difference will again be the video. So I'm going to be partnering with registered herbalist Mindy Capello of Herba Remedium. Mindy is also a Christian and she has been teaching some home herbalist classes and a family herbalist program for a few years. But she's ready to expand her program and bring on board other Christian and registered herbalists to help her provide more extensive classes. So for this year, the podcast episodes that I create here for free will also be available to Herba Remedium students as part of their family herbalist and then their community herbalist courses. And the students who attend her programs will also receive the video recordings written outlines, assignments, and further reading uh, suggestions as well. So right now, the Family Herbalist course is only available as live virtual classes with assignments and reading in between. But beginning in August, that course will be updated to include my classes and Mindy's pre-recorded classes so that anyone can sign up at any time and participate in the online program. And the following year, the Community Herbalist program will be released which will be a step up where someone who doesn't just want to support their own family's health, but also wants to help people in their area, their their network, will also be given some education on how to uh, work with maybe more in-depth, more complicated health concerns. So I'm going to put a link for Herbo Remedium in the show notes. Just keep in mind that the episodes I'm creating this year will not be a part of the program until the coming season. I'm really excited about this partnership and what it will mean for Christians who are interested in being herbalists, 
because I get a lot of requests for Christian friendly resources through email from some of you. And to be able to just say, yes, go check out Herba Remedium is really going to be a relief. We need all the Christian herbalists we can get, and this is going to be a really good thing. So I'm excited for that. That's going to be the big change that we're going to see on the podcast here starting in the next few weeks. And then one final thing is just a a friendly reminder to sign up for the monthly newsletter for important updates. And you can do this by visiting the website and entering your email at the bottom of the page or by checking out Laurel Tree Wellness on Instagram at instagram.com slash laureltreewellness. So with all of the uh, updates and things out of the way, now we're going to go on to our main subject for today, which is headaches and migraines. Now, headaches and migraines are often grouped together because the treatment can be similar, but they're actually quite different in function. So if you've experienced both, you're probably thinking that's an understatement. I've personally had both, and I can say that the first time I experienced a migraine, I did not realize that's what it was because I had always assumed that migraines are just headaches that are really bad, but it didn't actually feel anything like a headache. Whereas headaches primarily cause pain, either steady or throbbing, migraines can cause pain, or they can cause a feeling of increased pressure in the head, or they can go straight to visual disturbances and throwing up. I remember feeling pressure behind my eyes and everything looked blurry and there were spots and things and it was just kind of uh, very disorienting. So the experience of the two can be quite different, but again, the treatment as well as the cause can be similar So even though they are two different things, for the purpose of this episode, I'm going to group them together. Just recognize that everybody's experience will be different and there will be variations in treatment that actually help. So let's first look at what are some of the causes or reasons why someone might experience headaches or migraines on a regular basis. You know, there will always be that random headache where maybe it's difficult to really connect the dots between what happened, what caused it, and the headache. And if it's a random headache, you know, that's, that's great. That means that it will pass. Maybe this is unusual for you and you rarely get them and it's not a big deal. And maybe it would be nice to have some, you know, herbs or little tricks that you can use to get rid of the headache more quickly. But for some people, this can be an issue that bothers them on a regular basis. And some people can have migraines that last for days. And so if this is an issue for you, of course, you're going to want to look at what is causing this, that you would have such a difficult time on such a regular basis. So some of these reasons, uh, let's talk about them. First of all, the need for detox. Um, if, If you have a history of working with medications on a regular basis, chemical exposure, environmental toxins, drinking too much alcohol, think having a hangover, or eating foods that you're sensitive or allergic to, this can result in your liver being overwhelmed where toxins are actually backing up into your system. And this is through a complex series of chemical reactions causing pain. So if you are thinking that maybe your liver is backed up, from environmental toxins or different types of things in your, uh, in your body that are just overwhelming it, then you may want to check out my spring detox episode, which is season three, episode 23. 
Another reason that someone can have headaches on a regular basis is for hormonal reasons. And again, the liver is involved because the liver processes used hormones and then helps to eliminate them. But these can often be experienced just before or during the menstrual period for women as well. And this points toward estrogen dominance, which I hinted to at the beginning of this episode. And in this case, it's not only just the liver that's involved, this is also a pattern of what we call high blood, where there's actually a congestion of blood flow in the upper half of the body. And of course, this is going to put pressure on the brain and cranial area. And taking foot baths can help to bring the heat downward. So that's one way to reduce headaches that are specifically related to PMS or premenstrual um, periods. And then we have caffeine withdrawal. This is a famous reason for having headaches. And thankfully, this is a temporary problem. And again, it involves the liver. You're going to see a pattern here. If you're cutting back on coffee, something really simple you can do to minimize symptoms is to intentionally eat or drink things that do have caffeine, but not as much as your regular caffeine intake that you you get from your coffee. And that way you gradually reduce the caffeine over time rather than doing it cold turkey. When I eliminated caffeine uh, a couple of years ago, a few years ago actually from uh, because I had Lyme disease, I, instead of just eliminating it completely, I actually cut back gradually. And then once I got to that last cup of coffee a day, I replaced it with a combination of decaf and hot chocolate because both cacao and decaf, as well as green tea, do contain some amounts of caffeine. And that enabled me to eliminate that last cup of coffee each day. And then eventually I got rid of the decaf and the hot cocoa on a regular basis. And then we have vision problems. So if you find yourself scrunching up your eyebrows as you focus on words, or that the road signs are becoming blurry, or the sun is becoming more bright, or other visual changes, it would be a good idea to visit an eye doctor and to work with foods and herbs that strengthen your eyes. If your eyes are not working as well for you, hyper-focusing on things to adjust for that can cause strain on the brain and thus cause headaches. You can also check out my episode on vision, which is season three, episode 44. Blood sugar dysregulation can also result in headaches. Keeping your blood sugar stable throughout the day is really important for a lot of reasons, and extreme highs and lows can produce all sorts of symptoms, including headaches and migraines. For more information on insulin and blood sugar, you can check out episode uh, 40 of season three. And then difficulty with sleep can result in headaches. If you don't get a good enough sleep, get good enough sleep on any given night, you might get a headache. But chronically having bad sleep experiences is likely to make headaches or migraines a pattern for some people. And this is because the brain uses sleep as an opportunity to detox and repair. So if you don't get sleep, your brain gets backed up with dysfunctional neurons, which should have been cleaned out, and this can lead to pain. For more support with sleep, you can check out Season 1, Episode 9. And stress. So you've been waiting for this one, I'm pretty sure. Stress can lead to headaches and migraines because stress hormones mess with your cardiovascular system, increasing pressure on the blood vessels in the upper half of your body, similar to what happens with PMS. 
Think of it this way. If you're stressed, your nervous system thinks that you need to be ready to run or fight. So it keeps much of the blood in your body near your heart so that it can be pumped easily throughout the rest of your body. It's like a runner positioning themselves on the track for that sign that it's time to race. But this increased pressure also pressurizes the cranium. For more info on stress, you can check out Season 1, Episode 25. And for information on high blood, you can check out Season 1, Episode 31. And finally, I'd like to point out dehydration. So many people are not drinking enough water. And even a slight deprivation of fluid can lead to headaches. Also, sometimes people are drinking enough water, but because of an electrolyte imbalance, they aren't absorbing it. So it just goes straight through them and their tissues still act water deprived. Both water and mineral intake are important for proper hydration of tissues and prevention of dehydration headaches. There are actually a lot of other reasons why someone might struggle with headaches or migraines, including a wide range of triggers from posture to anxiety, nutrient deficiencies, even an imbalance in cranial fluid. I suspect that after listening to this list, if you have headaches or migraines, you probably already know what the cause is. But if none of these make sense to you and you can't figure out the puzzle, consider working with me one-on-one or talking to your primary care provider to help you get to the root cause and fix it. The most common treatment offered is typically NSAIDs or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. And while sometimes we do just need that fast relief just so we can get some sleep or get on with our day, relying on them long-term can have serious consequences. And not just stomach ulcers, liver damage, and the scary things we hear about, but how about this? Have you heard about rebound headaches? Chronic use of medications can cause your body to become dependent so that when you stop taking them, you get a headache simply because your body is deprived of its medication. So what are some safer alternatives? If you're experiencing frequent headaches or migraines, it's important to understand what the root cause is so that the tools that you use are most specific. And herbs aren't always the answer. You maybe didn't expect that. (laughs) If you're dehydrated, you need water. If you're stressed, maybe you need to think about your schedule. If your vision is worsening, maybe you need glasses. There are lots of ways we can influence headaches and migraines without jumping straight to meds or popping anything just to help cover it up. And when it comes to herbs, they're often interchangeable for both headaches and migraines. So again, I'm gonna list them together. Often, we're looking for nerve sedatives and tonics because again, we're not trying to cover things up, we're trying to help restore function. And if the neurological system is not functioning correctly because it's worn down or it's been struggling for a long time, maybe it's nutrient deficient, we can add some uh, herbs that are going to be supportive to restoring tissues. We can also work with herbs that promote more even blood flow, that balance tissue states based on the person. So if they are really dry, we can bring in some moistening herbs. Or if they are really damp, we can bring in some drying herbs, maybe even some mineral-rich herbs with those electrolytes that help to really absorb the water that you're drinking. Some herbs are actually pain-killing, but overall we're looking at creating a remedy based on the cause of your symptoms. 
And this is the hardest part of every podcast where I have to narrow down the list of herbs that can be helpful for a certain situation from the many that could be included. So I chose 20 specific plants that I'm gonna share with you. And then I will share some combinations and recipes that have additional plants that still work really well. So we have feverfew. Feverfew is commonly recommended for people with migraines. It also works well for headaches and it prevents platelet aggregation, which triggers migraines. And it's especially helpful where heat relieves. So if you have an issue with uh, blood clotting, if you have an issue with blood flow not going where it should be, if you find that placing a hot pack on your face really helps the pain to go down, feverfew may be especially effective for you. Meadowsweet works really well for those pounding headaches. Ginger. Now, ginger is interesting because we can drink it in tea form, but one of the most effective treatments for migraines that I was taught is to actually put like a big spoonful of ginger powder into water, like a quarter cup of water, and then drink that down as quick as you can. Now, that is a, <laughs> that's a lot of ginger. So it may actually be better to start with a very small amount and then slowly increase until you get to that point where it is most effective for you. Basil works really well for headaches because it is rich in magnesium and magnesium is very calming to the nerves. So that's a really simple one and most people have it in their pantries. You can use what you have in your kitchen just to start and uh, that may be just enough for you. Rosemary works well, rose petals, violets. Violets work, the flowers work really well for headaches, migraines, and nervous tension. So if you're just feeling anxious and really uptight, violets may be perfect. It's also supportive to the liver and to vision. Blue vervain works well for the person who is a type A person. I did an episode on blue vervain, I think it was January of I think it was 23. It might have been 22. I'd have to go back and check. Um, blue vervain works well for the person who has neck pain and neck tension because they're so uptight and this can lead to cluster headaches. Then we have valerian and burdock, which works well for frontal headaches that are caused by dry sinuses, as well as headaches under the back of the cranium, which is connected to gallbladder health. Nettle works well for chronic headaches. Skullcap works really well for nervous headaches. Again, skullcap is one of those that is great for just calming down an overactive nervous system. Catnip, Tulsi, Milky Oats, Milky Oats specifically for headaches that are felt in the back of the head and going down the spine. So if it feels like it's just oozing out of your cranium, then Milky Oats may be really helpful for you. Clary sage which works really well for menstrual related headaches. Evening primrose, again for menstrual or PMS, also for menopause related headaches. And then daisy, wood betony, and sweet fern are last on my list. Now any one of these herbs can be used by itself and if it's well chosen it should offer relief. I want to say well chosen because if, for example, you choose ginger and you're naturally a very dry person, 
that could actually make your headaches worse. So you have to be careful to match them um, to your own tissue state. But combinations can also be even more effective because many herbs function in a synergistic way where specific chemical components can boost the effects of the chemical components of other plants when they're taken together. So one common combination is lemon balm and feverfew together. And then we can do lavender with lemon balm or we can do feverfew, lavender, and peppermint together. Basically, you're just combining these in different ways that match the, your state, your tissue state, and your specific variation of headaches and migraines. Chamomile and ginger work together really well also. And if your headaches occur because of muscle pain or they occur in the evening, chamomile and ginger can work really well together for that. Any of those work well as a tea or as a tincture, and I do carry some of these in stock uh, from Wildly 207, which is a company based in Maine that I work with on consignment. But I also really like working with essential oils for headaches and migraines because they're so easy to use. You can keep them in your bag, and they're the most direct access point that we have to the cranial area. So when you inhale essential oils, it is going to be very fast acting. It's gonna get right into the, through the blood brain barrier and really support brain and neurological health very quickly. One example of a recipe that you might use would be a roller bottle with five drops of frankincense, 10 drops of peppermint and six drops of lavender. And it will be really important that if you are, especially if you're applying this topically, that you're working with essential oils that are 100% pure and have no additives uh, incorporated into them. So if you're not familiar with how to use essential oils, you wanna find someone who can help you out with that. And then, uh, which I can do if you want to reach out to me for an appointment, I, I am certified as an aromatherapist and would be very happy to help you create a blend for your needs. Another option is to combine three drops each of lemongra lemongrass, lavender, and peppermint. And then I have a combination of 10 drops peppermint, five drops lavender, five drops frankincense, and five drops eucalyptus. So that one's a little bit stronger. Usually roller bottles tend to have about 20 drops of oil, essential oil topped off with a either a fractionated coconut oil or another uh, carrier that stays liquid at, at room temperature. Uh, but you can vary that based on the person. So if you're talking about a child or an elderly person, a person who is sensitive, has sensitive skin or someone who is pregnant, you want to dilute it heavily and have a very small amount of oil in there. And then if you're talking about a middle-aged person, someone in their 20s maybe, uh, who is very healthy, they can, uh, and possibly they have more muscle pain, things like that, you can safely incorporate, you know, 20 to 30 drops for a single roller bottle. Another combination with essential oils is peppermint, lavender, and marjoram. Uh, or you can do marjoram, ginger, and peppermint. So if you're gonna use a diffuser, and here's another option, it doesn't have to be a roller bottle, you can use a diffuser, which is a way to uh, basically carry the essential oils on water vapor into the room. 
And one recipe that I just stated here with the ingredients is two drops marjoram, two drops ginger, and one drop peppermint. So this would work for a diffuser. And then I have this recipe, which is really more for a roller bottle, which is five drops marjoram, five drops ylang-ylang, four drops peppermint, three drops lemongrass, two drops basil, and one drop spikenard or lavender. Spikenard is related to lavender. This one I created particularly for migraines and it was very effective. And there are lots of other treatments that can be helpful besides herbs and besides medications. One is, you know, we're familiar with putting hot packs on our neck or on our head for, uh, you know, having headaches and migraines. Sometimes uh, people prefer heat, sometimes they prefer cold, but there are actual um, they call them caps, cranial caps available that are like gel packs that fit over the head. And these can be either hot or cold and can be a great way to really get uh, full contact where an ice pack or a um, hot pad might not be able to wrap around the head as easily. The cranial caps can work really well for that. Now, nutrient-wise, remember sometimes nutrient deficiencies can actually lead to headaches and migraines. A common one is magnesium. Now, a common uh, recommendation for dosage is 500 milligrams for adults, but I actually find, and there are lots of different types of magnesium too, which can make it a little bit confusing, but I actually find that for many people, applying magnesium oil topically is one of the most effective ways to absorb it into the body and get a fast response. So in this case, you're going to look for magnesium oil that would be kept somewhere around the Epsom salts at your local pharmacy or grocery store, and you would apply this topically where it hurts. So if you're having a frontal headache, you would put it on your forehead, down your temples, and around toward the back. Or if you're having a low, uh, you know, the, the pain is coming from the back of your cranium and is connected to tight muscles. You might apply the magnesium oil to the back of your neck, to your shoulders, and basically that whole general area. Another common one is vitamin C, and then we have vitamin E and B. All three of the, these are associated, deficiencies are associated with headaches and, and migraines. Calcium and iron. Um, zinc is another one, especially around hormonal issues, premenstrual headaches and migraines, and menopausal uh, headaches and migraines can be associated with iron and zinc deficiencies, calcium as well, actually, especially with menopause. And then tryptophan can be really helpful because tryptophan, which is an amino acid, is useful for creating all kinds of hormones and is necessary in different enzymatic processes and it's often deficient because of the quality of many diets. Uh, you know, if you're eating a wide range of protein types, you may not need any tryptophan, but it is safe to take, uh, for most people, it is safe, safe to take an additional amino acid supplement. Tryptophan, 500 milligrams, can be really helpful for these symptoms. Now, of all the foods, specifically, garlic is very rich in, uh, in certain nutrients like zinc. And then we have spinach, which is interesting because it actually contains a chemical, uh, an enzyme that breaks down the amines that can cause headaches in some people. So spinach can be really helpful. 
And then adding honey into your water can be helpful if you have some blood sugar dysregulation going on. This is particularly true for people who wake up during the night. Uh, perhaps the headaches are occurring in the evening or first thing in the morning. And this can be the result of having blood sugar that's just spiking and dropping and kind of all over the place. And honey is a slow release form of sugar that can gradually expose your body to the level of sugar that it would need to create energy so that you're not getting those spikes. And then some other things that you can want to consider are massage and acupuncture, exercising regularly, and stress reduction um, for, for more obvious reasons, I suppose. So looking at the herb focus, it was really hard to choose which one I wanted to focus on for today, but I chose feverfew just because it is so commonly worked with, especially for migraines, and I thought you might like to learn a little bit more about it. So feverfew is known in Latin as tenacidum parthenium, sorry, tenacidum parthenium. These are always fun games to play. The Parthenium comes from an old Greek story that I do not remember the name of, but I know that it had to do with a legend. And I love that uh, herbs often have a story. The names often have a story behind them. So that's one that I will need to look up again. So Feverfew comes from the Asteraceae or Aster family which is the same family that daisy and chamomile come from. And actually, if you look at a picture of feverfew, you'll see that the flower head looks a lot like chamomile. And so if you don't know exactly what you're looking for, it's very easy to mix them up. The leaves look a little bit different. They're a little more rounded. It was native to Europe, but it was brought to North America. And like a lot of other plants, it has since established itself and now it can be found in many abandoned areas and on roadsides, although it is also cultivated here as well. We harvest the leaves during the spring and the summer, right before flowering. So if you remember, the medicine of the plant is going to move with the growth of the plant. So once it flowers, then all of the medicinal properties, the, the strength of the medicinal properties will really be with the flower heads. But the part of the plant that we primarily use are the leaves. So we want to harvest it right before it gets to that flowering point where the medicine is still strongly in the leaves themselves. Those who have ragweed allergies may need to use caution with feverfew because ragweed is also in the aster family. And it's not safe for pregnancy, the feverfew that is, not safe for pregnancy because it can trigger bleeding. On the other hand, that can be a good thing for women who are trying to regulate their menstrual cycle. So don't be afraid of it. Just know that if you're pregnant, this is not a good time to experiment with feverfew uh, for headaches. I will say that ginger is generally safe in usual doses for pregnancy and daisy is another good alternative for addressing headaches during pregnancy that will not trigger any contractions. Feverfew does have a very bitter taste. Most people like to blend it with other herbs that have a nicer taste, like uh, mint or lemon balm. And lemon balm is one of the more common things that we mix it with because lemon balm can also help with headaches and migraines. Feverfew contains flavonoids and lots of essential oils. The active compound that gets credit for much of its action is called parthenolide, which also comes from its Latin name. Its actions are anti-inflammatory, it is a vasodilator, it is a relaxant, 
a digestive bitter. It is a uterine stimulant and emanagogue, which means it can bring on the menstrual cycle. It is antispasmodic and anodyne and carminative, which means that it, again, helps with digestion and can release gas. So we really want to work with the fresh plant uh, because fresh leaves, they have more of those volatile oils or the essential oils. And once they're dried, it has lost much of them. So ideally, we're either making a tea out of a fresh leaf or a frozen leaf uh, per cup up to three times a daily. I find that with an active headache or migraine situation, it's really better to have sips throughout the day, equaling up to the full dose rather than drinking a whole cup and then waiting several hours and drinking another whole cup. But you can experiment and see what works well for you. And then another effective way is to either make or purchase a tincture that was made with fresh leaves. So it was still fresh when it was tinctured. And then uh, capsules are another alternative. So with tinctures, usually it's, you know, up to a full dropper for a dose. Uh, I would start with much smaller amounts more frequently. (laughs) Big surprise. And then capsules, also again, smaller dose used as needed. So really only like 50 to 100 milligrams per capsule. Because it is a very bitter plant, As with most bitter plants, it is also very cooling, and cooling plants help with hot conditions. So it may actually aggravate someone who is generally cold or damp, where that person is more deficient or exhausted in general, and then you see that with the tissue state. Um, So if you are maybe more of a busy, active, overstimulated person, then this plant may actually be really well suited for you. So for particular indications or uses, it works well for migraines. It really works where heat is very relieving. And then you look at all these other hot conditions that it's well suited for. Arthritis, dizziness and tinnitus, painful periods, sluggish menstrual flow, uh, digestion, uh, where you're experiencing more gas, pain and inflammation. Uh, excess phlegm and congestion, inflammation in the lungs. It actually works really well in cases of pleurisy or inflammation in, uh, in the lungs from viral infections. It helps to clear the eyesight. This is actually very common where we see herbs that help with uh, dizziness, tinnitus, and eyesight all in the same plant. <laughs> Ground ivy and licorice, uh, red clover. There's a few others that are specific where they, they cover the same group of symptoms, and feverfew is one of them. And then other symptoms of being in a hot state are just feeling overwhelmed. Uh, make it, maybe your tongue is shaking or your muscles are quivering. You have chills, even fever. Uh, feverfew, it's got it, its common name from the fact that it can be used to bring down fevers. You can put it in a foot bath for swollen and painful feet. Again, another hot situation. Uh, It works well for the pain and swelling of insect bites. And actually, it smells bad to bugs, so you can use it as a bug deterrent. And then it can also be used for toothaches. So either you can chew on a leaf or you can make a tea and sip on that, swish it around, use it as a a mouth rinse. And even for small, you know... um, babies that are teething, so I would say over six months of age, a lick of tea can help 
with teething pain or you can dab a little bit on your finger and then apply it to the gum area to help with pain. And so Feverfew has a lot of different practical uses for the for the for common family needs uh, where there is inflammation and pain and swelling and all kinds of things like that headaches migraines you know <laughs> all right so i appreciate you all listening here today and i hope you all have a wonderful start to your new year and i am grateful that you've been listening i hope you found this episode helpful if you did please share it with a loved one that you know especially someone who does have headaches or migraines and is interested in figuring out what is causing it and what they can do to get to that root issue and solve it. And also I'd encourage you to check out my website to learn more about what I do, classes that I offer. I have free resources available. You can find that all on www.laureltreewellnessllc.com. Have a great week, everybody. The Family Herbalism Podcast is created for educational purposes only. You are responsible for any and all medical and health decisions you choose to make. If you experience a medical emergency, please contact appropriate medical providers. To receive herbalist support, please visit www.laureltreewellnessllc.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it helpful, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you for listening.